0: You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. God is so good to us all the time. He is. He's good. He said every good and perfect gift comes from above. He said, I'm neither neither tempted with evil, nor do I tempt with evil. God said he has a good plan for your life, not to harm you, but to bless you. You know, I say those scriptures, and many of you know them, and some of you might, that might be the first time you've heard them. That's the first time maybe you've realized that God's not the one trying to hurt you, that we have an enemy that tries to hurt us. And sometimes we don't even need a devil. Sometimes we make decisions on our own. That can cause us pain and, and trouble and trials, and then sometimes others. We don't need a devil because we got other people in our life that can do the same thing. Amen. Uh, so you know, there's all these different things that are happening around us. You know, and I try to, guys. I've taught this series on spiritual momentum, and I'm trying to wake the church up and people up that there is a spiritual realm that we live in. Sometimes we think it's the other way around. That. That, you know, we're kind of, we're, we're, we're living in the reality of everything and then that spiritual realm uh, uh, touches us, but it's really the other way around. There is a spiritual realm that existed way before we existed. And then we showed up. And there, in, in the body of Christ as a whole, there's so many times that people just don't recognize the spiritual side of things or they don't want to see it. But but we know, according to Scripture, that people saw and interacted with angels on a consistent basis. We also know that not only did they interact with angels, but they also uh, interacted with demons. Jesus, man, he was ministered to by angels after he came out of the, the temptation with Satan. Angels ministered to him. He he was he constantly uh, uh, had angels in, interacting, and then one day when he took uh, Peter, James, and John with him, they saw they they saw <coughs> Moses and Elijah talking to him. You know, because God's a God of the living, not the God of the dead. Amen. Amen. You know, those who have gone before us—they're not dead; they're alive. He, they saw Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus, and so. You know, guys, there's a spiritual realm that God's always trying to point us to that we need to deal with. You know, we have a spirit, a soul, and a body and that we interact with that spiritual realm in all those areas. And when you're not very aware of the spiritual realm and that we are really not, we're not fighting a battle, as Ephesians 6 says, against flesh and blood. We always think we're fighting flesh and blood when we're really, the Bible says, we're fighting a spiritual battle. And so I, I'm going to teach some more on that because that's, that's how you maintain spiritual momentum is you have to understand the spiritual side of things. You know, I, I've, I've often said that, and I don't know, man, I don't know, man, sometimes we just don't catch it that, man, I, I'm fully aware that I had an angel assigned to me at birth. I'm not so sure he wasn't assigned to me before when I was in my mother's womb or when you were in your mother's womb. But I know that there is a specific angel that's been assigned to me. You have an angel that's been assigned specifically to you. What? What are angels? What do angels do? Well, they have various jobs, but the ones that are around us a lot are what the Bible calls ministering angels. They're here to minister to us. They fight for us. They minister to us. The Bible says he puts his angels in charge. He he said he put them in charge over Jesus that he wouldn't even stub his foot against a a rock. And I believe that the same promises and the same things that God did for Jesus, he's making those promises to us that he puts his angels in charge over us to protect us. But when we're not aware of those things and aware of the spiritual side of life, man, we can suffer greatly. We have a whole world right now that's being medicated because they don't understand the spiritual implications of when people have either uh, chemical imbalances in their body or they have uh, brokenness from trauma that, that kind of, you know, your mind can crack. You know, Jesus calls it a broken heart, but that's part of it. You know, you, you can be broken, and when your heart or mind is broken, then you can, you can act out in, in wrong ways, and only Jesus can heal that. So instead of, instead of leading people to healing, we just medicate everybody. We have a whole world that's medicated, constantly medicated on mental medications or drinking, smoking dope, uh, you know, self-medicating with all kinds of drugs and stuff like that just to try to survive. And a lot of that has to do with a lack of understanding the spiritual implications of things that happen to us. That there's spiritual entities and there's, there's things that happen. So you can have a chemical imbalance and you need healing. You need healing. You might have some brokenness and you need, you need healing from that. Or there might just flat out be some demonic activity that's been brought on by some of that. And you need deliverance. Any of those things Jesus can provide. Matter of fact, he's already provided it. But we have to be aware of our spiritual surroundings surroundings, so that we can gain spiritual momentum. We're to be led by the Spirit. Most people, even Christians, are so much led by their flesh or their intellect, intellect that, man, a lot of times their flesh and intellect lead them the wrong direction because they don't understand the spiritual implications of who they are and who lives in us. We have the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead alive in us. Amen. He's called the Holy Spirit. And God talks about all the time about what the Holy Spirit does. Guides, leads, directs, teaches us the truth. I mean, gives us, uh, you know, I've been meditating on three, three areas, uh, uh, foresight or hindsight, you know, you can't, until you get hindsight, you can't have insight, and until you get hindsight, you can't get insight, but once you get hindsight, you can have insight, and then you'll have foresight, but it starts from the back. What's hindsight? Just real simple. This is hindsight. You learn lessons from the past. You don't carry the pain, but you learn. You learn. I know so many people that don't learn anything from their past, so they're, what do they do? they repeat the same mistakes over and over and over. We call that the definition of insanity. Why? Because they have no hindsight. They can't look back and go, you know what, I see. I see I need to stop doing that. Every time I say to my wife, hey, knucklehead, she doesn't like it. I don't say that to my wife. I've never said that to my wife. But, you know, I'm just using an example that when you say stuff and it makes them mad, maybe you should stop saying it. I've never said that to my wife. (laughs) Never. But I've said other things that made her mad. Always, never. I mean, you know, you know the stuff? You know the buttons you can push in people that you know really well? You know, and you can either keep doing that or you can stop. But hindsight says, I can look back in my past, past situations, past conversations, past experiences, and I can, I can leave, I can allow God to heal my past, heal me from the hurt of it, but take the lessons with me. When you learn to do that, then God, and only then, will he teach you insight. What is insight? Now you're aware of what's going on around you now. Now you have a discernment, about what's happening right now. And when you get that discernment, oh, when you figure that out, then God will give you foresight. Now you'll see it coming. Amen. You'll know it's coming before it happens. I, I, I never want to be a husband, a father, um, a pastor. Um, I don't want to live my life without the presence of the Holy Spirit and with about, without hindsight, insight, and foresight. I don't know how many times I can tell you that I've seen things coming in the future uh, way before they ever happened. Not like every detail of it, but just like this is gonna happen and God has prepared me. Or if you don't do this, this is gonna happen here. Not just natural stuff that you can figure out. I'm talking about deeply spiritual things. As As a father... Um, you know, I've, I've, God's just given, given me uh, some supernatural insight and foresight into my children. And I've, I've gone to Julie many times and said, Julie, I, I sense this. And she'll, a lot of times she'll confirm and go, you know what? I got something like that in prayer too. And I'd sit down one of my children and say, hey, this is what's going on. I already know it. And if you continue this, this is what's going to happen. God's already told me. And, man, I, I, don't know, I don't know a time that the Holy Spirit's led us astray that they haven't dropped their head and wept or said, Dad, I'm sorry, I, I really need help with this issue and, you know, this problem. I mean, it's been awesome. I don't know how many times God's dealt with me and said things to me about my wife like, Hey, you need to do this for her, or you need to say this, or you need to pray this. And I'll check on her and say, Julie, are you, are you struggling with this? And she'll cry and say, Yeah, yeah, that's it. Guys, I don't know how many times in the church God's shown me those things. He doesn't show me everything. I don't want to know everything. Some people think they do. I'm telling you, don't want to. Some things you just want to take on when they come. You know, but there are certain things that He will show you that you are on a need to know basis that the Holy Spirit will show you. But first, you have to learn hindsight, hindsight. And you have to understand it has spiritual implications that your past and decisions and stuff that happens has spiritual implications. You have to understand it intellectually, spiritually. Uh, you have to understand how it pro- that, that process and how to apply the lessons from the past to your present situation. I know so many people that have had job after job after job, and they're unhappy with every one of them. There's something wrong with the leadership. There's something wrong with the job. No one treats them good. And after a while, I'm like, hold on a second. That's not them. I mean, I can see, man, everywhere you go, there's going to be issues. But golly, your unhappiness has a lot more to do with you than the circumstances that you're in. And a lot more to do with you than the leadership you have. But when you develop hindsight, insight, and foresight, when you begin to develop that kind of stuff, man, when you know the outcomes, then it doesn't change some of the circumstances that happen around you. It doesn't, but it changes how you react because you already know. When you already know, it changes how you react because you're already prepared. And God wants to prepare you. He wants to prepare me. But it has a, a lot of this has to do with us. If he can't teach you hindsight, stuff that's already happened, how in the world can he give you insight to stuff that's happening or any foresight on what's coming? So you have to open up your heart and mind and say, God, I want to be a learner. Listen to this, this scripture. Can you put that scripture in Proverbs up on the screen for me, please? In the... It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does that mean? It means that you, stand, you take God seriously. A lot of people don't have hindsight, insight, and foresight because they haven't even begun to take God seriously and say, this is serious stuff. Amen. God said you have to believe two things to be in, in real faith. You have to believe that he is. He is God and God alone. He's the creator of the universe, creator of everything in the universe, and that he is the God and judge of all mankind. You have to believe that. And then you have to believe that he's a rewarder uh, what Pastor Shama's talking about, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder and he is God. And when you stand in the awe of God, the fear of God, you start, you just begin wisdom there. Then he said this, and the knowledge of the Holy One is, what's that word? Oh man, he'll give you insight. You'll begin to see it. You'll begin to see things. You'll begin to understand things and you'll begin to see him, and you'll, you'll be prepared, and your reactions, the circumstances will change because he's, he, he's given you, uh, you've learned from the past, now you have this insight, and then once you learn how to follow him with the insight, then he'll begin to give you foresight. A lot of people want it, but you have to pay the price. Those who diligently seek. Let me say it again, those who diligently seek him. To diligently seek him and to gain the knowledge that God wants wants to show us, there's three levels in which you need to engage God. I'm going to give them to you real quickly. Number one, it has to be an intellectual pursuit. God said in Matthew 22, 37, I want you to love me with all. He said, all your heart, your soul, and your mind. You have to engage God intellectually. So that means the Bible says study to show yourself approved. How many of you have ever not studied for something and walked into a test and knew You weren't going to do well. Did that more than once. You weren't prepared. Well, let me say something to you. If you don't take time to start studying the word of God, you're going to be ill-prepared for a lot of things that are going to happen in life. And some of these tests are bigger than flunking math. You don't want to flunk a cancer test. You don't want to flunk a... Uh, a marriage test that, man, could cost you your relationships. You don't want to flunk a child-raising test. You don't want to flunk a life-changing decision test. But you will if you don't study. We have to begin. my, My job is not to make you do anything, guys. I'm a servant here. My job is to tell you what the Bible says, to teach you what the Bible says, and then try to live that example. I study the Word of God constantly. Well, Pastor, you get paid to do it. I did it before I got paid to do it. I studied my word. I prayed. I sought the Lord. Listen, man, He blesses the diligent. You have to set aside a time and a place in your home that you say, This is my place. This is my time. When my marriage was in trouble, the only place I could get away was in my closet. I literally sat in my shoe closet. I kicked all the shoes to the end of the closet, and it was one of those old-fashioned closets about this wide with a sliding door, and I just sl- sit in there, sit in there for three weeks. And I sought God, and I studied the Word. I read the Word on marriage. I, I, minister, I, I, read, I kept reading every scripture I could find on marriage. On, on, on how. At first, I was looking up every scripture of what Julie needed to do. What does a good wife need to do? <laughs> so I could preach or teach her that. But that only lasted about five minutes literally before God said, no, you're the problem. I'm like, darn it. I had all these scriptures lined up on what a wife should do. He totally flipped the switch, and I had to end up studying all the things a husband's supposed to do. But I did it in three weeks' time. A two-year battle in three weeks' time was won because I understood the spiritual implications. Listen, when you don't understand church family, those watching online, I'm glad you're with us. But listen, when you don't understand the spiritual implications of what's going on around you, you could be losing battles and not understanding. Why does this keep happening? Why is, do I feel this way? Why do I keep sabotaging my future? Why do I keep making the same mistakes? Why do I do? Why do I do? Why is this happening? Listen, so many Christians don't understand the spiritual implications. We live in a spiritual world. There are, the Bible says there's an innumerable amount of angels that exist in heaven. Otherwise, we don't have a number for it. And a third of those fell and are the demons. Two-thirds are on our side. We far outnumber them right? But there's so many. We live in this spiritual world, and I don't want anybody to get all freaked out like, man, I see a demon behind every rock, and I see an angel. You know, every time you see a feather from your pillow, you think an angel flapped his wings or something. I, <laughs> man, we, you don't want to get goofy. I, I know too many people get goofy about this kind of stuff, but it's just the reality of, it's just the reality in which we live. And when you understand it, it will become your reality. And when you start to realize that, you'll begin to discern, is this the flesh is this, the, is this a flesh issue or is this a spiritual issue? And when you begin to discern between those two, then you know how to fight. You cannot fight, you cannot fight a spiritual issue with the flesh. You will not win it. And that's what the world tries to do. They try to fight these spiritual issues with the flesh, they can't find any answers. So they just say, I'm going to medicate you till you're numb, till you have no emotions, or you can't, you can't make a decision, or you're just numb. Or we're going to legalize marijuana and sell you all the alcohol you want. You can get drunk and high as you want to, and you can just stay high and drunk the whole time. So you don't ever have to face any issues or solve any problems. There's spiritual implications to every part of our life. And we need to be aware when we need to apply a spiritual solution. Now, Again, I don't want people to go crazy. I remember one time some parents brought a kid and say, this kid's demon-possessed, Pastor. And we know from the Bible, children can be demon-possessed. Jesus cast out demons out of kids. So, but, I, I mean, I wasn't there five minutes. I'm like, yeah, this ain't demon possession. This kid's flesh is out of control, but probably because mom and dad want to yell and scream instead of actually discipline a child. And we've all been there. If you've been a parent, sometimes you just, just, you, you're just like, stop! You know, instead of getting up and actually disciplining the child and dealing with the issue, you just want it to stop sometimes. It's just like, please stop, <laughs> please stop. But listen, this kid had a flesh issue, and the only way to deal with that was going to be in the flesh, so they needed to, to, to start disciplining this child on a consistent basis. And that was going to, and I told them, there's no demonic activity here. I could sense it. It was, it was all in the flesh. And so the parents were going to, it's going to be, man, they wanted an easy fix. Pastor, just cast a demon out of them. He'll be the perfect child. No, it's not going to happen. Even if you do cast all the demons out of them, they're still not going to be the perfect child. They still have a flesh you're going to have to deal with. Amen. And so we don't want to go overboard, but we don't want to go underboard either. We have to realize there's spiritual implications to things happening around us, and there's spiritual applications to everything around us too. It's called the Word. The Word is spiritual, and it's deep, man. It it divides between bone and marrow, spirit and soul, man. The Word of God can impact every aspect, the flesh, your mind, and your spirit. The Word can. It's, it's, a, it's a medicine for everything. But we have to engage God intellectually. Secondly, we have to engage God ex, uh, through experience, experientially. Otherwise, you have to somewhere along the line begin to act on God's word and start to experience who he is personally. You have to start experiencing who he is personally. I've turned, I turn to him for every problem. He's the solution to every problem. He's the solution to every problem I have or anybody else has. I turn to God in his word. I turn to God in his word. He's the solution. And then when you begin to act in faith, you begin to experience him. So it's not just intellectual. It can't just stay up here. It's got to become something you experience. It's personal to God. He wants it to be personal to us. He wants us to personally, not just intellectually, it might begin there, but then it has to be something experientially where we are stepping out in faith and experiencing the goodness of God, experiencing the the correction of God, experiencing the wisdom and knowledge of God. Then the third thing is it has to be spiritual. Go with me to John chapter 4, the book of John chapter 4. Verse 23 and 24. It says, from here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit. Everybody say a spirit. That's capital S. God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth, in the spiritual realm who worship him in the spiritual realm, in the spirit, and truth, the deepest part of us worships God in spirit and in truth. And it because God lists it in that order. You can, and that's capital S. That means through the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. That means you have to begin uh, to go to the deepest part to really get to know God well. You have to understand he is a spirit, and you have to worship him in, in spirit. And when you worship him in spirit, because the Holy Spirit guides us in all truth, truth comes with it. The truth about what, Pastor? The truth about everything. He'll begin to deal with the truth about what you can handle and what you need to know at that moment. He never overwhelms you. You ever feel overwhelmed? It's not him. That's either you taking on too much and allowing too much pressure, meditating on all the junk, thinking too much about it, You know, stressing out, worrying, allowing that to dominate you. And, and that is an intellectual problem, and it's also a spiritual problem. We're going to talk about the spiritual implications of that. Go with me to Ephesians 6. We're going to to talk some more about the spiritual implications of our life, how to maintain and gain spiritual momentum. We've been talking about it. But I want to point out something to you first. In Ephesians 6, when it talks about spiritual warfare, it says this in verse 10. It says, Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for the last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious. How are we supposed to stand? Victorious. victorious. Verse 11, I'm going to skip the rest of that. Go to verse 11. We'll come back to some of that later. He said, Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected. Another translation, some of your translations might say, so that you can stand and fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. He says three times in these passages, that's number two, that it will protect us, we can stand, stand victorious. He starts off with stand victorious, then he says stand, so you'll be protected. Then the third one is in verse 15. He says stand on your feet, alert, then you will always be ready to share the blessings of peace. Three times he gives us insight and foresight to every spiritual battle. But he begins spiritual warfare with this, that we'll stand in the strength of our Father and we will stand victorious. He's already telling us the outcome. It might not change the circumstances around us, but it should change how we react if we already know we have won. If we already know we, were, we have won, it will change. I remember my senior year, we were ranked number one in the state of New Mexico. And uh, we went up and played a team that, man, that was not very good. Um, uh, it was Cibola High School, and they were terrible. And we played them during the day. Now, I hated day games. I like Friday night. But we had to play them on a Saturday afternoon. Hot, man, it was hot. as August. It was hot one of the first games we played. We come out flat, and they had us down two touchdowns like that, just like that. They weren't even ranked. We're ranked number one. They just come down and score twice on us like that. Now, let me say something to you. I, none of us panicked. Why? Because I already knew the outcome. I already knew the outcome. We were not going to lose to this team. So how we reacted, we didn't panic. We didn't freak out. We gathered the guys together and said, okay, guys, listen. We don't like day games. Let's get over it. Let's just get over it. We don't like day games. Okay, check that box. Number two, this team cannot beat us. We're a lot better than this team. Okay, check that box. Now, let's go check the third box. Let's go and kick their butt. And we went out and scored like 50-something points on them. They had two touchdowns at the beginning. They didn't score again. I don't even know if they got another first down. But we didn't panic. Why? I already knew the outcome. Listen, when you already know the outcome, even though the circumstances don't look good, you you don't panic. You handle it differently. You say, I got to check this box, this box, and this box, but I already know the outcome. God's already telling us the outcome. In every spiritual fight, if we'll stick with God, we will stand victorious. Now, if we run away from God, we won't. But if we stick with God and run to Him, we'll win a victory. He's already telling us there'll be a victory. Let's read it again. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with the strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Before He's about to talk about spiritual warfare, and he starts with, I want you to understand from the beginning that if you stick with God through your life union, if you stay connected with Jesus and you are are vitally connected. Listen, you can be connected or vitally connected. Vitally connected means you would never want to live a breath of this life without Jesus in your life. Connected means I'll take him and leave him whenever I want. God, God says if you're vitally connected, vitally connected to him as a, as, a, as a branch to the vine, you're vitally connected. Oh man, he said my word will come alive in you and I'll live in you and you'll live in me and you'll ask whatever you will and I'll do it for you. But you gotta be vitally. Otherwise, you, otherwise you gotta realize your life source isn't the blood pumping through your heart. Your life source isn't this world. Your life source is God and God alone. But you have to get that mindset, man. Listen, without God, I'm nothing. Paul said it, man, without God, I am nothing. And I'm going to be honest with you. Without God, I was nothing. But with God, that changes everything. That changes everything. And so he said, I want you to understand that if you'll stay connected to me and not disconnect, so often we get in battles or struggles, we disconnect from God. As a matter of fact, a lot of people, because they don't understand this, they'll disconnect and they'll blame God. How many people say that God took them, God did this, God did this to me, God did this to me, God did that to me. And all they're doing is they're pushing God away because of their lack of knowledge of God, they push God away, and, and man, they're not connected to him, vitally connected, and they don't stand victorious. They lose and lose and lose and lose. We have to understand that God is, is the, he's a solution to every problem. And when you run away from him or you blame him for something he did not do, man, you're disconnecting yourself. We have to run to him, not away from him. But it's a choice that we all have to make. No one can make that choice for you. Your mama can't. Your kids can't. I can't. No one can make that choice for you. God leaves that choice in your hands and my hands. Every individual has to make a choice whether they're going to stay life connected to God or not. I choose God. I choose the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ because I need his power to be victorious in this life. I need his power. So do you. But he says three times, you'll stand. And he starts with, not only will you stand, but you'll stand and win if you stay life connected. Amen. If you'll stay connected, man, you'll win. If you don't give up, don't lose heart, don't throw in the towel, don't start running your mouth against God, man, if you'll just stay connected, he said, in the end, you'll, st- you'll stand victorious. It won't change the circumstances all the time, but it will change the outcomes. And it'll change how you react. Someone say amen. So let's, let's, uh, let's read uh, uh, Ephesians six 13. Let's read that scripture. It says this. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined, everybody say destined, for all things and will rise a loser. You are nothing but a loser. You're just a loser. That's not what, that what it said? Oh, man, i got to take my religious glasses off. Religion says, well, right, we won't win. We lose. We lose all the time. It's, it's maybe yes, maybe no. 50-50 said 50, 50 shot. I don't see that anywhere in the Scripture. He said, for, you're destined for all things and will rise victorious. He said, we, that's his word, not my word. He said, you'll rise victorious. He's talking about spiritual warfare here. How many times has he got to say, stay in it, put on the armor, fight back, and you'll win? See, a lot of times we think the devil has us in the corner. No, 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 no. According to God's word, we have him in the corner. We got to reverse the, the, our thinking. He do not have us in the corner. We have him in the corner. But again, if you don't have hindsight and insight and foresight, if you don't understand what God is saying and what he's doing, it's easy to, to think that Satan has you in a corner. And then you start reacting like you're in a corner. Fear, worries, division, quitting, giving up, depression. Just stuff gets on you. And we all face those emotions. We all want to do some of those things. that We all want to quit sometimes. But man, when you understand that God said you'll stand victorious, then you, you, you react differently to those same circumstances. Christians who I know know their authority spiritually and understand the spiritual implications of things that happen in their life, those Christians react differently to death. They act re- differently to sickness. They act differently to tough times. They act, they act differently to all kinds of things. They just act differently. They just act differently. To loss, whatever it is, they act differently. I've seen Christians go through all kinds of things, and I've seen some who don't understand this. Man, they they are hurt for the rest of their life. I've seen others who allow God to heal them, and they, they learn from it, they grow from it, and they move forward. But you have to understand the spiritual implications of what is happening here. The devil does not have us in a corner. It doesn't say that we're going to lose. It says that we're going to win. I'm giving you some foresight because God gave it to us. Can you see it? And then the second thing is if you can see it, do you believe it? Do you believe that what he's saying is true? I believe it. I said I believe it. Now, I want to I just share this with you. Uh, I shared some stuff at the men's advance, but I, I, I didn't get a chance to get to this. But when he talks about putting on the armor, he says this. He says in verse 17 and 18, he says, Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance, like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. We know that the fiery darts of the enemy, that the only thing he can sow into you is lies and deception. That's it. If he can get you to believe a lie, if he can deceive you, then he's got he, he'll convince you you're in the corner not him. That's the only power Satan has. When people believe enough lies and they begin to speak those lies about themselves and the circumstances, that's what invites demonic activity not only around them, but it can invite it in them. When you believe the lies deception of the devil. I know so many people christians that are deathly afraid of satan they're afraid of demons i mean they're afraid of the devil and demons man was jesus ever afraid of demons or satan himself where he's our example neither was paul or peter none of those guys were ever spooky satan No, they they knew the authority in the name of Jesus. They're like, hold on a second. Jesus, man, he brought low all principalities and powers. Man, we shatter the darkness. We don't give in to the darkness. We speak the name of Jesus and demons and Satan moves. They move out of our way. But you got to have your sword out. He said you got to put on the full helmet of salvation. What does that mean? You have to understand what Jesus died for. And what he, not only what he died to take away from us, which was sin and death, uh, eternal death, but he also died to give us some things. Forgiveness, freedom from sin's dominion over our life, freedom from, from the power of the world, our flesh, or the devil to dominate us in this life and for sure the next. We have to understand what he gave us. And, man, when you understand the full, uh, uh, the helmet of salvation, that means it's guarding your mind that you understand who Jesus is, what he died for, that you're, even in death you're going to heaven, you don't lose. Yeah. Man, when you understand that, that sets a certain tone when you're fighting. Then he says this, And take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God, this word was designed to come, to be read and studied, come off the page, come alive in us, and come out of our mouth. Amen. Jesus comes back with it, the Bible says, with a sword in his mouth. He don't have a thing hanging out of his mouth. He, he's, the sword is the word. But here's what, here's what's happened. So many times people are ignorant to that, so they don't say what they should say. They're ignorant, so they don't know. They don't know that when they're saying stuff that the world says, man, I didn't have any luck. If I wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. And everything bad happens to me. It happens in threes. Everything bad happens in threes to me. So one thing happened. I'm waiting for the other shoe to fall. Man, this is going to happen to me. And this is bad. And this. And man, because of this, this. And then, and this is going to be terrible. And my life's going to be terrible. And I'm never going to get ahead. And this is never going to happen. And they're never going to change. And this and, and da 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 da. When you're ignorant to the power of your words, the Bible says there's life and death in the power. Power of the tongue, and he said, "The tongue is the littlest member, but the most powerful in guiding your life." Man, that should cause some people to go, "Oh me! What did I say today? What did I say about my spouse? What did I say about my circumstance? What did I say about my job?" You know, you can tear down your own job and self. The tongue is the greatest self-sabotager of relationships of everything that you can have in your life is your tongue. It self-sabotages people's lives. I can't get over that. I can't stop doing this. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. This will never happen. That will never change. That'll, I mean, this. I always mess up, or they always do this. And I, uh, My job is always bad, and this is always terrible. I'll never get ahead. My family never got ahead. I'll never get ahead. Man, you are speaking death over all of your circumstances. My children will never change. They'll never do this. They'll never do that. You can either speak life or you can speak death, your choice, but the Bible says you will eat the fruit of it. Man, I don't want rotten, stinky death fruit. I want fruit full of the life of God. For the spirit, for the law of the spirit of life through Christ Jesus has made me dead to the law of the spirit of sin and death. Well, no, I'm no longer under that law. Neither are you. We, we should speak life, not death. These are spiritual things. The word, the sport, the sword is the spoken word of God, God's word coming out of our mouth. But if you're ignorant to what God says, you don't know how to fight. Man, anytime something comes at the church or my family, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm going through my roller decks, man, because I'm getting ready to pull a sword out. I'm like, okay, that's 1 Peter 2 24. Jesus died on a tree for my sins. He took the curse for me. I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to Christ. And by his stripes I am healed. Oh, Jesus said, Oh, he forgives all of my sins. He heals us of all of our diseases. He he delivered my, my family from destruction, from hell, and he supercharged my life. Oh, I just start pulling, I pull out the sword. I'm like, let's go. Let's go. But if you don't know, if you don't know the word, then you don't have the sword. Jesus had a response to Satan every time he spoke. He spoke. Jesus spoke. He never had a one-way conversation with the devil. So many people have one-way conversations all day. This is going to happen. This is not good. <gasps> oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? The, you know, you got calling the bosses. All oh, this going to be terrible. It's going to be awful. Uh, every phone call you get is, "What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong?" Because you expect something to happen wrong all the time. What's wrong? What's up? What's going on? Why are you calling? And you're you're waiting for for something to come around the corner, something bad to happen to you. When you're ignorant to the word, you hear this junk all day long. You're not good enough. You're not enough. You're never going to make it. It's never going to change. You'll never be happy. You'll never have this, and you'll never have that. Man, when I was looking for a wife... Man, I kept saying to Satan, every time he said, you'll never find anybody, you'll always be alone, uh, and you'll deal with loneliness your whole life, I would say, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. There's a good thing coming to me, Satan. There's a good thing coming. <laughs> but you gotta, have, you gotta know, so many people are ignorant to the word so they don't know how to speak back. They just take it all day. Some of you have taken it all day. Worry, fear, frustration, anger. Doubt, depression. You've just been taking it. You've been taking depression all day. Oh, this is, this is no good. Man, I don't know. This is just stupid, and this is dumb, and this is this, and this is that. And you've just been taking it. And you, haven't, you haven't pulled your sword once. Man, you'll lose. You'll, I promise you'll lose if you don't pull the sword of the word out. You've got to fight back. Man, you've got to fight back. You got to pull the sword out, and you got to begin to speak back to those thoughts and say, thoughts, according to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, uh, I cast down every thought that tries to exalt itself above God, every vain imagination, I cast you down in the name of Jesus, and Father, I think on good things, I think on the, oh, man, God, you're going to do something special today, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, you did miracles yesterday, you're going to do a miracle today, you're going to do this today, and uh, tomorrow's another today, and you're the same, and uh, I mean, you just begin to speak, and you're taking your and you're slicing and dicing. You're fighting back against the lies and deception of the enemy. You've got to fight back. You can't lay your sword on the ground either and say, Oh my gosh. Uh, 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 uh. Man, you get in a sword fight and you drop your sword. Guys, I had a sword at the men's conference. This is a dull sword. They bought it from a shop. I will say where we bought it from, but anyway. But it was dull, right? I mean, I could run my finger, it wouldn't cut you. But man, I swung that sucker hard. It would just. It, it, oh, it was crazy. Now I really respect those guys that saw, fought with. Now I understand why they wore so much armor. Because, man, that thing would lop an arm off like that. And this was a dull sword. I can't imagine. These guys, they're sharpening their sword to razor blades. Man, it was crazy what this thing could cut through with just a little exertion and force. But if I'm in a sword fight, and Brother Richard has a sword, and I drop my sword. Man, I'm in trouble. If I drop it and run away, he's just going to stab me right in the back. Satan has no mercy. He won't go, oh, hmm. Oh, they're down now. Let's, let's just let them get, let's help them back up. No, no, no. He'll stab you and stomp you. He, he won't, he won't, he don't want you to get back up. You got to, some of you need to pick your sword back up tonight. You need to pick the sword up and say, okay, Satan, I've had enough of you running rough shot over me, over my thought life, over my marriage, over my children, over my finances, over my life. I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm backing you in the corner. I'm not in the corner. You're in the corner. You're not going to run rough shot over my, over my body, over my, my health, man. You're not the Lord of my body. Jesus Christ is the Lord of my body. You're not the Lord of my soul, my mind. Jesus is the Lord of my soul. You're not the Lord of my, of my imagination. Jesus is the Lord of my imagination. You're not the Lord of my relationships. Jesus is the Lord. You're not the Lord over my children. Jesus is the Lord. You're not the Lord over my job or my finances. Jesus is the Lord. And you start picking up the Word and you start fighting back can't leave it in the sheath either. You can't, you can't say, all right, let's fight, Brother Richard. He pulls this out, and you go, if you keep coming closer, I'm going to pull this sword out. No, you can't. You, the Bible says don't give Satan a foothold. Don't give him. Don't start. He said, don't give him a foot. Satan's like a great white shark. You would never just say, I'm just going to see what it feels like to have a great white shark just bite my heel. You wouldn't do that. Any of you watch Shark Week? You don't want to do that. They'll pull you in the water and eat you for lunch. You know, you you, you don't want to put your foot foot between the bars at the zoo and let a lion nibble on your heel. Satan's worse than that. He's worse than a lion or a shark. He'll drag you down and never let you up if if you'll allow him. You can't give him a foothold. Where? A foothold where? Where's he talking about? He's not talking about your little foot, he's talking about in your mind. You can't give him a foothold in your mind, not an inch. Don't give him an inch. I said, Don't give him an inch, he'll take a mile. Don't give him an inch. Cast that thought down and start speaking the word, speaking the word. Man, when I first got saved, I thought, golly, God, my mind is nuts because I had to cast down like a thousand thoughts a day. I'm like, whoa man, it was exhausting. I'm like, wow, I had no idea how unruly my mind was and how inundated my mind was with the world. From every look, from every imagination, from every ugly thought, from just driving down the street, cussing at people, driving crazy, right? I mean, I'm like, golly, man, this is wild. But, you know, I just kept doing it. I'm like, if I I ever want my mind to be right, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. When we fill our mind with the word, the, the word Christ means anointing. When we fill it with His word, our mind becomes anointed. So that when thoughts come in that don't belong, we recognize it quick. You see, I'm, ca- I'm casting that divorce thing out of my mind right now in Jesus' name. There is no divorce in my family in the name of Jesus. That ain't happening. I'm casting down that unforgiveness. Every time I hear Sally's name, I'm thinking, I can't stand her. Whatever, you know, whoever that person is. And I'm, I'm going to cast that down. No, hold on a second. I forgive her as Christ forgive me. I forgive her. In the name of Jesus, I forgive her. I cast that thought down. I'm not going to think ugly thoughts. In the name of Jesus, Father, I love people as, as, as I love myself, as you love me. As you forgive me, I forgive them. And I live free of unforgiveness. I'm not getting caught up in all that drama and all that crap. Lord, I forgive them and let them go. Let him go do let him go on to somebody else. Because I'm not playing that game. We live in a spiritual world. God said, I want you to stand victoriously. Let's take him at his word. Uh, we'll pick up some more. We got a couple more things we'll talk about on this on Wednesday, next Wednesday. Listen, every eye closed here uh, online. I mean, you can close your eyes or not, depending on your circumstances. If you have a bunch of people around, man, close your eyes. Eliminate all the distractions. Put your your babies in their bouncy seat or something so they don't get into something while your eyes are closed. But I want you to consider, really seriously consider your life. The most serious spiritual implication that we have in this entire life is whether or not we're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ or we're going to serve Satan. There is no gray area. There's no middle ground. You're either serving Satan or you're serving Jesus. That's the way this is laid out. That's the way it is. It's, it's, It's night and day. It's light and darkness. It's that simple. It's that easy. It's two plus two equals four. You serve Jesus and and love Him and allow Him to teach you how to love because He said He'll shed His love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He'll teach you how to love God. He'll teach you how to love yourself and love others. Or you can serve the world, your flesh, and the devil, and you can live in the kingdom of darkness and just cause hurt and pain to yourself and others and live in a dark world in your mind. You get to choose, and the the spiritual implication of that choice is not just how you live your life here. This is short. This life is short. But how you live eternally, are you gonna live in heaven or hell? Because there is a heaven, and I have I have never seen heaven, but I have seen one man in hell. I saw him with my eyes. I saw the darkness. I saw the absolute loneliness. Just like heaven's full of fellowship and man, relationships, hell's full of absolute, the absence of any relationships, the absence of any light, the absence of any hope. And it's a real place. It's a real place. That's why Jesus came to die for us. That's why he was willing to pay that price. He doesn't want anybody to go. He didn't make hell for people. He point blank says he made hell for Satan and his angels. Satanic, demonic angels. Not for us. But unfortunately, people choose. They choose to reject the love and lordship of Jesus. He's the boss, guys. He's the Lord. And right now in this life where you're breathing, Jesus said, I'm the door. He's opened it. Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, because of his blood shed for us, he's opened a door to God, to heaven. He's opened up a door to forgiveness. He's opened up a door to be saved. He's opened up a door to this life having purpose, meaning, and direction. He's opened up a door for us to fight victoriously in this life. And he's opened up a door. That when we die, we go to heaven forever. He's opened the door. Jesus opens doors that no man can close. This door will eventually close. If you die without accepting Jesus as the Lord and mean it, I mean you mean it. When you if you die without it, that door is closed forever. That man in hell I saw cried for mercy. He had a wrong motive. It was a oh he was he was so angry. It wasn't true mercy. it was just like probably he was in life selfish and malicious and just all about him and i'll never forget what the what god told me that day he said there is no mercy once you go to hell there's no more hope no more no more mercy but you have a choice right now god chose you to be listening online or here and you have a decision to make he chose to to bring you to a place where you would hear about him and how much he loves you. And he died to save you. But your choice. So if you've never prayed, we want to pray with you right now. Here or online, we want to pray with you. Or if you've prayed and you've run away from him and you just want to come home, we want to pray with you too. So whether the first time or the next time, we want to pray with you right now. Online, I'm going to ask you right now just to send a message to us. I'm praying for the first time or I'm praying for the next time. In this room, send that now. Send that now online. In this room, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand and acknowledge, I need to get right with God before I leave here. I want to be right. I need to get right. I choose Jesus who loves me, not Satan who hates me. And then we're all going to pray right where we're at. You're seated. You're going to pray right there. Wherever you are, are online, we're going to pray right there. So if that's you online, send the message in this room. One, two, three, raise your hand and say, I need to get right with God tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All over this room. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Let's pray now, church. Let's pray. Let's pray with those online and those here. And you could be watching online two days from now, a week from now. Man, it's, that prayer is just as good. That prayer just is just as good. As it is right now. Say this together. Say God. I acknowledge. You are God. In God alone. I acknowledge. That you bless. You reward. Those who diligently. Seek you. I seek you now. Because I believe. You love us. You love me. You placed me here right now. So I could hear about you. I could hear your voice calling me. Because you died for my sins. And Jesus, you were raised from the dead. I believe that. And because I do, God, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And to close the door to my past. But allow me to take with me foresight. The lessons that I need to learn. And I say to you, Jesus, thank you for doing what I couldn't do. For dying for me. And because I know you did, I say to you, You are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. And I receive right now the same Spirit that raised you from the dead, the Holy Spirit, to live in my spirit, to make all things new inside of me, and guide me, and teach me the truth. Thank you for saving my life restoring my life right now. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, church. Let's thank God for how good he is. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.